You are listening to WCAT Radio, your station for quality Catholic programming. Your selected program will begin right after a word from our sponsor, GroupM7.com, a web design and hosting company. Log on to GroupM7.com today and let them know that WCAT Radio sent you. You know, my finest childhood memories was the Saturday morning movies for about four bits each. My brother and I could split a Coke and a big box of popcorn and watch movies about Tarzan, Jane, and their Amazon River adventures. Well, maybe that's where Jeff Bezos took his name. His Amazon.com is now the largest online retailer in the world. I'm Michael Malfood with Group M7, the oldest and largest website design firm in East Texas. And here's my point. And as usual, it's a good one. If your website is modern and up-to-date, mobile and search engine friendly, it matters not whether you sell a product or provide information about your goods and services. Your sales justifiably will increase just like theirs. The world uses the Internet. We can improve your website and your email. Look at our giant portfolio at GroupM7.com. Since 1995, there's only one web and there's only one group, and it's us. It's Group M7. You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hello and good morning, everybody, and welcome to a webinar hosted by the Institute for Theological Encounter with Science and Technology, an association of theologians, scientists, and others committed to a Catholic worldview in which faith and science collaborate in exploring the truth. ITEST explores truth theologically in the wisdom traditions of the human community and in the data studied in the sciences. ITEST fosters and disseminates the Catholic position that science and faith in God are complementary paths to human fulfillment. My name is Dr. Sebastian Mafud. I am the interim director of the Institute for Theological Encounter with Science and Technology. And I'm delighted to uh, bring you today a presentation entitled Love Letters from Your Father, the Gospel of John. Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? This presentation is presented by Catholic missionary and evangelist, Romwald Simeon, whom I'll introduce to you after our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you pour your Holy Spirit upon each of us here this morning and upon Romwald. Pray that you make us fertile ground, that your Holy Spirit may give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and an open heart. I ask your blessed mother, Mary, to help us understand who your son Jesus is, to be at the foot of his cross (laughs) as we receive the benefits of his precious blood poured out upon us. Come Holy Spirit, come renew our hearts, lead us and guide us so that we may be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kiara, uh, for providing our opening prayer. And uh, now to introduce Romuald B. Simeon, a genetic historian, Catholic apologist, poet, writer, and former mission catechist in Australia, Malaysia, Thailand, India, Israel, Singapore, and Lebanon. Romualda has been at this for a very long time. He is the author of the Lexia 
Divina series entitled Bible, Love Letters from Your Father, Books of John, Gospel of John, Letters and Revelation. As a foreign mission catechist, Romwald Simeon has assisted Bishop J. Chan of Penang in uh, Malaysia, Archbishop M. Kien of Chare in Thailand, and Archbishop Dominic Ataide of Agra, under whom he pursued scholastic philosophy, Thomistic theology, and biblical studies. Welcome, Romwald, and take it away. Okay. God bless you. We're going to talk about someone who is being ignored in today's secular society. This was given to me by an American catechist, Jesus. And we have to proclaim Jesus. Instead, we say, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? It sounds ridiculous. You know, there's an old uh, radio program, a TV program, having all kinds of celebrities on the stage. And they would give indications of a a person's real life. And say, and each person seemed to fit the uh, the uh, occasion. And then at the end, they would all say, of all these different celebrities that were on the stage, would the real one stand up? And it was usually a surprise. And I'm afraid to say that that is true in today's secularist society. The religion of today is secularism. And people, uh, when they talk about uh, religion, they don't know the meaning of the word religion. Re ligo in Latin. Re ligo. The thoughts that are evinced by your actions. Your actions show what your religion is, not your words. Jesus says that too, that by their words, you will not know them. You will only know them by their actions. The tree produces fruit. And so the name of the tree is is, uh, ridiculous. You can, a a child can go and name a tree anything he wants. But by the fruit, you know them. And so this is uh, the question of religion. Everybody has religion. Religion is universal because everyone has a way of life. Everyone, individual, they have an individual religion. They have a personal religion. They have a public religion. Usually the public religion is the one of the words. And it's the actions that show what your true religion is. In fact, let's look at the apostles. The apostles were disciples who came to Jesus Christ. They were with him for three years. And they betrayed him, except for John. They betrayed him. They all ran away. They all hid themselves. Ah, And Peter says, I don't know the man. Never heard of him. You're a Galilean. That makes no difference. A lot of people know Gal- uh, speak Galilean in, in that accent. 
They're traitors. And that is a fact of when we talk about our own religion of Christianity. It's, it has become, in fact, in our present day, almost a religion without Christ. Because we are silenced. It's not in the public square. It isn't in the world that is the home of God. The universe belongs to God. His name is not even allowed to be said. And so if we talk about the, the, the essence of secularism, you have to know that whatever people, every ism, everything that people say they believe, what they act out on is what their religion is. That's their true religion. What they declare as being their religion doesn't necessarily be, be so. And so you say, well, we say, will the real Jesus Christ stand up? Why? Because there's a lot of fake out there. A lot of fake. People don't know if you talk about Jesus and we're going to do that today. You talk about him, it's hard to recognize. Is he the son of God? Is he God? Is he God? If he's God, he's everywhere. He's present. He cannot be eliminated. He is the, not only he came into a human existence so that we could see him because we're so ignorant and so stupid and so benighted and so finite that we can't believe what we don't see. We only can see with our eyes. And the first thing Jesus says to us, you can't see God with your eyes. You have to see him with my eyes. And that's what Jesus says. Look with my eyes. You can't love God with your heart. Your heart is defective. Your heart is finite. Your heart is twisted from day to day of what you love and don't love. You can't even love in a human way the same way every day. You're, 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 you're so confused. Whatever you want you believe, is what you believe in that day. Not what you, what you need. Not what the Lord says. So will the real Jesus Christ stand up? So if we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, we've got three basic questions to decide who, who, who the Jesus is that we individually, the persons who are listening, the per, uh, myself, I don't always know who Jesus is because I'm a sinner. The moment that I commit a sin, I have denied Jesus. I have denied God. And that's what sin is. And all, the Bible says clearly all men are sinners. But Jesus came to redeem us. He came to change it because he's the only one who can change it. You can't change it yourself. Until the apostles, after three years of their betrayals and their confusions and all that, and one was an open traitor, but they all were betrayed him at different times in their life. If you go to every single one of the apostles, every single one of the so-called saints. So 
Only when we know Jesus, love him, and serve him are we disciples of Jesus. So we ask three questions. Who does he, Jesus would say this, who does the human culture say that I am? In other words, the secularists. Human culture is not just the people we call secularists, a little club. It's everybody who is worldly. Everyone who fixes himself in the human culture of the world. And that is easy to see in the scripture. The scripture would describe all these things in detail. I can't, I'm only given the generality right now. But who does the, the human culture say that I am? Look at how it acts. And you know. They say that he's nothing. They say that he's dangerous. They say that he's absurd. They say that he is the liar. Because they reject him. So that is the religion of the culture of today. If we want to describe it, in the several capital sins, the seven heads of the serpent, uh, Satan in the scriptures. Okay, we we can go into that. We will and we will go into that in detail. And we'll see that every time that we sin, we are following one of those capital sins. The capital sin just gives the, the category of each particular sin. Okay, and. Ultimately, it comes down to the first one, pride. And what is pride in the scripture? Pride in the scripture is idolatry. It has many heads. It has as many heads as there are people. Tot capita, quot sententia. As many heads as there are, there's that how many opinions. That's how many human religions there are. Because whatever every individual does is his religion. What is in his mind, what is his opinion, even if he changes it from day to day, people will say, oh, I commit myself in matrimony to love you, to serve you, uh, to make you my queen, to make you a heavenly angel. And then in reality, they spit in their face. They're turning persons into slaves, praying, and we say, oh, he's a narcissist, you know. <laughs> Someone says, who uh, never got married, told me, he says, they're always looking for Mr. Right. So many people, she was looking for Mr. Right. Everybody was looking for Mr. Right for her because she wasn't the prettiest girl in the world. And she says, but he had a first name. And the first name was Always. That's called narcissism. So that's what we are. We are narcissists. We are in love with ourselves. But we are love in the, the human element in ourselves, not the spiritual element, because the spirit comes from God. And we ignore that too. And we even turn the word spiritual into self-opinion. Uh, so the second question is about the real Jesus Christ. He says this, who do you say that I am? To each individual, 
not just to a category, not to just the billions of Christians or pagans that there are in the world, but each one individually, just as we come to judgment. We come to judgment as individuals. We are born of God. We are all the children of God, but he gives each soul individually, individually. Our parents don't give us a soul. They give us the flesh and blood and the genes. And they don't give us our soul. If you want to believe that, you can leave it in 10 seconds. How many children follow their parents? How many children are clones of their parents? They may be physical. They say you look like them, but their souls are different. But we are supposed to be clones if we can say this without blasphemy, sort of clones of God. He, he is the one who gives the soul. And so everything, everything that is, has, has human life has that soul. And if you do anything against that soul, you are attacking God, God's will. We go to St. Paul and he'll say, oh, we were... We're, since God, we're always present. God is everything is present to Him. He has no past and no no future. Everything is present. He's here. Nothing can contain Him. So, every soul comes from God. Every soul is a production of God, and that's what it says. Read your first line in the Book of Genesis. We come from God. And we go back to God. That is the mystery. Why would he send, bring us back to himself? He values us so much in a certain way, like we're angels, that he forgives and forgets. Yes. God, to say that God forgets, it says it in the Psalms. He puts their sins away from himself as far as east is from the west. They don't come together again. It's gone. We're back in style. We're back to prodigal sons. We're the prodigal children. We're back in the arms of, of, of the Lord. So, so who do you say that I am? Are you in agreement with what the third question? Who do I say I am? And who am I? We talk about Jesus. Sometimes we, since we, he gave us this op opportunity to see him in a human way. He is not human. He is I am. That is who God is. He, he is, if he has a human, gives himself a human existence as a human being, that's an existence. But he's only one person. He is, I am. And that's what he said when they were crucified. Who do you say that you are? The Sanhedrin asked him. Pilate asked him. Everyone asked him. The rabbis asked him. The Pharisees asked him. Who do you say that I am? He asked his disciples too in chapter 6 of John's gospel. When he says, I am the living bread down from heaven. Who do you say that I am? You're the son of the living God. 
That's the only answer. You are God. The Trinity is a mystery. It's one God. So what, who does Jesus say he is? So will the real Jesus Christ stand up? If all these fake Jesuses that people say, oh, I know this guy. He, he's so wonderful. He's so intelligent. He's so perfect. There's no saint. No saint in the world. From time immemorial. Whoever claimed to be God. They never said that they were substituted for God. They all said they were instruments of God. You see that from every generation you meet people. When I met Mother Teresa in Calcutta. So, who are you? When she was a sister in the convent and they made her uh, head of a clinic and head, uh, head of a school. And she said, I don't know who I am. Because we come to that next question for each one of us. We say the real Jesus stand up. She knew who she was. I'm nobody. I'm only a servant, a tool in the hands of Jesus. That's all I am. And even her mother superior says, no, no, you came, you came from the Balkans to, to India in order to work with the poorest of the poor. But where was she? She was in a clinic where the people outside of that gate said to, said to her, those rich Christian women who are behind that gate teaching Indian girls to make them Christians. But these girls are the rich. They're not the persons in the street. Would you know the city of Calcutta? I was there. I was there. I didn't just beat Mother, uh, Mother Teresa. I was also doing my ministry, doing reaching out to the people. And I saw that my, with my own eyes. And when she went to her spiritual director, that Jesuit, and, uh, and he said to her, who brought you to the convent? Jesus. Oh, Mother Superior. The human elements of the church don't bring you to, to, to do God's work. I gave you permission to do God's work. You wanted to come and work with the poorest of the poor. You're not working with the poorest of the poor in that convent. Do, and that Jesuit told her, do what God told you to do. You are called by him. And that's what we are in this world. We, each one of us, is called by God. St. Paul says, the Lord already knew us before we were born. From time immemorial, we were in the eye of God and the heart of God. He knew that he was going to create us and put us into this world, into this generation, and with these people, and in these circumstances. And the circumstance is a big swamp. Even persons in the church who claim to be Christians give scandal. 
Why do they give scandal? Because they're acting like Jesus? So we, this is what we want to say. Will the real Jesus stand up? Who do you say that I am? And he told us who we were. Since we're so stupid and so ignorant, and we can't see what's in front of us, we don't see what's in us, and we don't see what's in front of us. He came as a human being to give us teaching that is all true. It's infinite teaching. The teaching that he gave, every word is true. Why is it all true? Because he modeled it. He modeled his own words. He bore fruit. And when he says, I love you, he meant, I love you. He didn't say, now and then, here and there, in this circumstance or that circumstance, and whether you love me. First words on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They are my human brothers. Lord, they are not real. They are shadows. It isn't just Plato who called us shadows on the wall because that's basically what we are. So those three questions have to be answered. Who does the human culture say that I am? Who do you say that I am? By your life, by your actions. Are you a tool in the hands of God? And whose permission do you need? This is a question I asked all over the world. I heard this first from Archbishop Polio, who was two years tortured by the China, Chinese communists. He was an Italian. And he, uh, he was there in India, a missionary in, in northern India. And the previous bishop, he, when the communists took over, the previous bishop was laid out in the symbol of the cross, put out on a, on a cross on the ground, and the communists poured lead down his throat. And, they, he said, and Polio, who was the auxiliary, he says, I better get out of here. <laughs> but no. Jesus said, you are a missionary in China to the Chinese, to your brothers, to the ones who don't know God, to the ones who begin to know God and depend on you. And he says, but I can't suffer. This, this is his own words. When he came to America and talked on television with uh, with uh, Bishop Sheehan looking for people who wanted to go back to China. And he wanted to go back to China, but the Pope says, no, you've had it now. After two years of suffering, and, and he said he was afraid, he was, uh, polio was afraid to, to suffer. He says, I'm just like anybody else. I scream when I suffer. I run away from suffering. I run away from pain. Just look how we go to doctors trying to get pain, pain <laughs> medicine. Anything at all, Lord, we can't stand the pain. And when he was in prison, and they began to torture him. And he understood. And he says, when I used to go to the, this is his own words, when I was to go to the hospitals and say to people who were in 
pain from cancer and all that, I say, offer it to Jesus. Offer it to Jesus on the cross. You're on, you are being crucified. Offer it to Jesus on the cross. And he can stand the pain. And he says, you know how much pain you can take. You know how much? As much until they kill you. As much as you go into a coma. He learned that by experience. Into a coma. And when he went into a coma from the pain and the torture they were giving him for two years. And they try to revive him so they can give him more pain. That's why he survived. They were going from killing to restoring. Killing to restoring in order to kill him again. Kill him a thousand deaths. And that's what he did. So in the final days, I'll make a short story of this. This is from his own words when he witnessed to me. And he says, they were bringing him finally to get rid of him saying that he was a traitor to the Chinese people, that he was a, an imperialist and all that, and bringing him, dragging him through the streets in order to shoot him at, at the thing, just to get rid of his voice, because his martyrdom, the two years of martyrdom, was becoming a witness to the people, to the pagans. And when they were dragging him through the streets, the Chinese people, the pagans, called out to him and he began to sing the little voice that he had he began to sing that finally his pain would be over that he would die for Jesus and they refused to shoot him they refused to kill him they threw him out of the country and when he came back to Italy to his religious order and they says oh you're back they were disappointed. They didn't want to hear his story. He says, we had a program of getting donations because of your martyrdom, but now you're not dead. <laughs> you returned alive. And with determination to go back to China, to let them finish the job. So the Pope instead made him Archbishop of uh, in Italy at the shrine of St. Matthew. Okay? So this is what a missionary is. So I say the second question here is, whoever listens to this video, ask you this, who is Jesus to you? Who is the real Jesus? Does he stand up in your soul? Does he stand up in your action? Look at her. I hope I don't sound too pessimistic here because I just try to tell reality. That's why I'm a genetic historian. Genetic historians are the ones who tell you the reality of what happened and what makes us who we are. Paul VI, who, uh, who witnessed to me when I witnessed to him at the Vatican. And he said, he, he said to me, I had a, my Bible with me, my working Bible, and 
I said, Holy Father, I was praying for you when you came up and, and talked to these people. And this is what it said, that the Lord speaks to your heart, but the people in the streets do not listen. And I said, he says, yes. I showed him the scripture from Isaiah and the prophecy. And he says, yes. And he looked at my Bible and saw it all written up and all that, you know, what the Lord said to me in Lecture Divina and marked up Bibles. And I ended up with Bibles all marked up. And he says, what is that on the cover? The cover, I had an emblem there. And that emblem said, like this, a finger standing up and it says, Jesus, the one God, the one answer. And he says, no. The Pope said that to me directly. No, he is not the one answer. You don't know Italian. There is no such thing as a street that goes one way. It's the only way. It's the only answer. There's not another answer. If you say one, you start counting. And that's what the world does. It counts one way, this way, my opinion. Factually, I'll say this to myself and to you. Our opinion is junk. Opinion means nothing. It's a, it's a little breath that ends. And if you don't believe that, read the Gospels. Read what Jesus says. We're only a breath. We'll disappear. We're nothing. The only thing that is value is if we become images of Jesus. So now... I will pre present this point. Will the real you, will the real me stand up? I'm the first one to say, I don't want to tell you my whole life. You know why? Autobiography is a lie. Autobiography is a lie. They talk about the good things they did, they talk about the wonderful things they did. They talk about the successes they did. And that's what I'll be telling you. You're not going to hear from me. My non-successes. You're not going to hear from me where I betrayed Jesus. You're only going to hear about the good things I try to do. Because it's shameful. It's a breath. I can't speak to you about who you are. You have to speak to yourself who you are. Will the real you please stand up? It's hard. We don't even want to tell the truth to ourselves. If people knew the truth about us in the things that we did not do right, where we betrayed God, where we did one of the seven capital sins in order to do it. I mentioned one time, I says, Jesus is not for sale. 
That's called the sin of simony. My words are not for sale. I just, the Lord, by his divine providence, keeps feeding me and keeping me alive. I'm 94 years old. I'm the last of my family of 10 children. But I don't, why does he keep me here? Well, because I'm not ready yet. <laughs> he throws the fish back. He says, you got a little more to do. And I'm trying to do it. But will the real you please stand up? And I will put three points to you, some points to you. What does your culture say you are? What does the culture say you are? Are you a secularist? Are you one of them? Because Jesus is not a secularist. He is the essence of God. He's the essence. And without Jesus, we have existence and no essence. What does the culture say of you? You can ask that, the question to ask yourself. Keep it secret. Keep it secret. Secondly, what do others who say they believe in you and love you, what do they really think of you? You, you heard of fair weather friends. Fair weather friends. What does the gospel say of this when we look into the gospel? Who were the ones who were farthest from Jesus? The ones who knew him in Nazareth. The ones who saw his childhood once until he was 30 years of age before he exposed himself as the Savior, as the Messiah. And that only lasted three years because they couldn't stand him. His own people betrayed him. We betrayed him. And we continue to betray him every day. Jesus is only mentioned in whispers in our churches. We think we're listening to Jesus, even his words. And we say, keep that sermon to eight minutes. Eight minutes is all the people have for it. They got to go in here, watch a football game. There's no such thing as honoring the Sabbath day. Some exaggerated it one way and made it like the Pharisees did, that you couldn't even carry a needle in your lapel because it showed that you were going to sow something. You couldn't light a fire. Everything had to be focused on God. And the opposite today, nothing is focused on God. We think we're doing God a favor by going and spending 15 minutes in a church where they throw you out and lock the doors if you want to say a prayer after receiving communion or making the stations of the cross. See, oh, we got to lock the door. The last one in the church where I was, I go unnamed. The guy rattles the keys on the door. My wife is waiting for me. We're going to have breakfast. We haven't got time. I, I start singing a prayer to the Virgin Mary at her statue. 
Cut it off. What are you doing there? He asked me, what are you doing here? We just finished Mass. You can't greet the Virgin Mary. You can't say hello. <laughs> Cut it off. Say hi. <laughs> Goodbye. Get out there and enjoy your Sunday. And have a good day. What about Jesus? We give him 15 minutes of our time. So the ones who believe in you, what do they do they always agree with you? Is that what we're looking for? Agreement? Do they always accept you? There's a big difference between acceptance and agreement. We're not looking for people to agree with us. We're looking for us to be agreeable to God, to Jesus. My prayer is that Jesus opens up his mercy. That he comes into agreement with us. That he's the father looking for the prodigal son. And rushes down to him to embrace him. Third, who do you say you are? Write your autobiography. In the workshops that we do about healing of memories, you ask people to write a letter to the Lord at the end of it. After three days of teaching and talking about the Bible, talking about God coming to give us mercy, he died to redeem us, to get us away from the world, away from the secularism, away from it. How far have we come? They say now 30% of Catholics who go to, go to church don't even believe in the Eucharist. Is it the body and blood of Christ that he said in chapter 6 of John's Gospel? What he said at the at the uh, Last Supper. This is my body. This is my blood. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. When I'm not only just present to you as God, because God cannot be contained by the world, cannot be contained by the universe. He is everywhere, and He's everywhere. But he says, I'll even talk to you. Collection Divina. Will you read my words at least? The few words that are in the Bible about John's gospel, about the gospels, about the epistles, about Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus is everywhere. In the Old Testament. Is he in the, in the Old Testament? Someone says, my Jewish friends, they'll say, when I was doing witnessing in, in Israel, and I'm of Jewish descent, by the way, by my, through my grandfather, Simeon, Shimon, Baruch Shimon, Benedict Simeon, okay? And so the, in Israel, I was the only one with a Bible, and, and God, and the, and the kibbutz, he says, do you believe in God? Who do you say you are? 
at least 80%, by statistics, 80% of the Jews call themselves cultural Jews. What does cultural mean? It means connected to the world. Cultural. Not believers. Not even. But in the, Jesus is there from, from Genesis when the Lord says that after uh, uh, Adam's betrayal and his rebellion, he says, I will send to you the heel that will crush the serpent's head. The heel that will crush the serpent's head. That's Jesus. The prophets all mention Jesus. The Messiah will come. The Messiah will come. And each one of those prophets, and Jesus says to, to your own people will kill you. Jeremiah. Isaiah. The prophets, and even ones who, who temporarily called themselves prophets like David, were the biggest sinners. They murdered people. They didn't defend against people. They murdered them. So who do you say is the question you have to ask. When I talk, give talks and people say, well, I'm going to ask a question. Well, I don't... <laughs> Someone wrote in one of their letters to the Lord says, I wonder why Rami doesn't like questions. You know why? Because a question is a monologue. It's what you are giving your opinion. And you're asking me for my opinion. Two opinions don't make a dialogue. And don't make an answer. We, The Lord asks us, not for our opinion in our prayers. He doesn't ask for opinions. He doesn't give us his opinion. What's the opinion of God if I say this? If I ask God and we do these Santa Claus prayers where we're telling God what to do. We're telling him. <laughs> Can you imagine? If you look down into it, it's ultimate blasphemy to tell God anything. He says, ask, respect, acknowledge who I am and who you are. You're my children and I love you. I'll give you all that you need in life. Not what you want. Like children that are stamping. If you don't give me what I want, I'm not going to go to church anymore. And telling God, when God gives us a specific time of what to, on earth, and believe me, if it's a short time, it's probably happier. But he gives us a, a certain span of life. And all of it is short. But some is shorter than others. We say, Lord, you took my mother away from me. No. He brought her to heaven. Now you can talk to someone who doesn't have the, any more problems. So, who do you say that you are as a Christian? In regard to the Jesus is the mirror, and we're talking to him. 
And he is not afraid to talk to us. And he says to us, Yo, you're covered with sin. You're covered with sin. But I will take it away. I will carry it for you. I will pay the, the penalty. I will pay the price for you. What I do is infinite. It wipes away from everybody, the whole world, forever. Don't you carry it yourself. You can't carry it. But I love you. To say it in a more comical way. You say, ooh, look at that monkey, that baby monkey, and that mother loves it. It's so ugly. Mother loves it. But that's what God is saying to us. As ugly as you are, as long as you're covered with sins, I will wipe it clean. You will become white as snow if you image me. So, we come to the fourth thing. Who are you as a human? That comes down pretty bad. Humans, they, they say in our spirit, we're a little less than the angel. But, when you come down to our human part of our idolatry and our realities and our wants, we're not much better than a snake. Who are you as a human? Lord says, I'll bring you to heaven. You're a little less than the angels, but you are an angel. Your soul belongs to me. You're reunited. You're reunited to your family. You're not taken away from your family. This is not your real home. This is not your real family. Your real family is with God, the one who gave you birth, the one who gave you existence. No one else gave you existence, and no one else gives you a way of life. That's what the Gospels are. No. People say, I, I do witnessing every day when I even go out on my bike ride in the park and reach out to people, whoever they are, whoever they are. They don't want to talk to you, so they don't talk. So I pray for them. I don't disconnect. I pray for them because Jesus wants me to pray for them. True love is even one way. If I love people, if you say, oh, I love everybody. We love everybody. They'll know us by the witness of our love. What is love? Is it a disconnection or is it a connection? At least love has to be a connection. If I disconnect from persons, and believe me, I just... I, I got strong attitudes towards the people who are vicious, who say, we have freedom of religion, we have freedom of speech. If they hear, listen to what I'm saying now, there will be no internet. 
That's how much freedom of speech I have. Even if we talk to ourselves, we talk to God. We always can talk to God. It's always connected. He's never going to cut us off. I say, Lord, when I feel kind of down after my communion, and I say to Lord, I don't know why you gave me existence. Since you gave me existence, I think you want me to continue to exist. <laughs> I hope, I hope for. And I hope I can be with you. I know I don't deserve it. I know I haven't done anything great to fulfill what you may have expected of me. But I give it to you. I admire St. Padre Pio so much. I was forbidden to meet with him, by the way, by my spiritual director. And I wanted to meet with him because I had one of the students who was converted by him, who was an atheist, a communist. And I said, I'm scared. He can read my soul. He can look down into me and say it, but I'll have to brave it. And the, the way I was relieved that I didn't see him, so I just saw the friars there where he lived in the, in the monastery because they gave pilgrimage to anyone who came. And he said, who am I? This is what Padre Pio said. I can only say two things. I'm a voice calling in the wilderness. I'm John the Baptist pointing the way to Jesus. And I am Simon the Cyrenian. I'm helping him to carry my cross. It's not his cross. He embraced it. He took it for, for me, but I carried his, my cross. I didn't carry his cross. I, I cringe when I go to Jesus' cross and say, Simon Sweeney carries Jesus' cross. No, he's carrying my cross. He's carrying his own cross. So that is what we have to say. If we talk about the human human ways and who we are. It's like when I met these Arabs, Christian Arabs in, in uh, Israel and where I was rejected <laughs> by Christians. And so I talked to whoever I could see in the, these Arabs and I didn't realize they were Christians, but they were ridiculing me. And the older girl said to these boys that were taunting me in Nazareth, was going to see the place where Jesus went to the synagogue and where he was thrown up. They were going to throw him off the cliff to kill him because he said that the prophecy of Isaiah had come true to the uh, people in the synagogue. And Oh, he's claiming to be, he's claiming to be the son of God. He's claiming to be God, then there's only one God. 
they were going to kill him. So I was walking down that street and I had starved for two days because the Christians wouldn't give me any food and I was just a pilgrim. And uh, so this girl says to her brothers, don't taunt him. That is not love. You must love everyone. And she went to, he says, follow, follow me. She didn't know who I was, didn't ask my name, nothing. Just says, follow me. And this Arab girl, about 15 years old, and I went and she said to her mother something in Arabic. And she says, are you hungry? Yes, I'm hungry. And she gave me something to eat. And then she says, will you be here tomorrow? I will have the others come there and feed you and talk to you. And that was the, the sheik. I went there and he, he says, oh, he says, you are rich American. You have many camels in America, in New York, many, many camels. I said, yes, 20 to the pack. So <laughs> and he, he finally, he got the, he, he understood, he understood. And he says, but, but then if you don't have the camels, you must have donkeys like we have here in Nazareth where we ride the donkeys. I, I says, yes, but the trouble in America, the donkeys only have two legs. So he says, here, the snakes have two legs. So, so you see, we understand each other as human beings. We understand each other. And everyone around the world is all the same. They're all looking. They're all seeking. And Jesus is reaching. And all he asks us is to give a voice. To reach out to them. You can sit down with the Arabs. You can sit down. By, by the way, it's a little difficult with the Muslims. <laughs> because they're ready to cut your head off. When you try it, it's like did in Penang. <laughs> so, but they have their weaknesses too. But anyway, the, uh, the people, you meet Hindus, you meet Buddhists and all that. I'm happy to say that I'm reaching out to the, with the Buddhists. Just there, they just listen to you. You say, oh, Jesus. How do we know Jesus? We have, we have Buddha. We have Buddha. Yes. It says, but Buddha is dead. You only have a statue of Buddha. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. He's alive in every Christian soul. So I talk about Jesus. And they say, ah, where could we learn about him? I says, there's redemptive missionaries right in the next village. Go and talk to them. I just pointed the way. And they're happy. And you know, those Buddhists, when the, when the Khmer Rouge, when the, from the, what do you call it, the killing fields, came across the Mekong River. This was against the Mekong River. And they came across and they heard, they heard that I had been there and another person who was witnessing, a Protestant person who was witnessing. And they heard, they were like, where is he? Where is he? 
I didn't know why they got me to go into the rice fields and hide in the rice fields. And since they, all of a sudden they become stupid, they can't answer the question. Where are they? We don't know. They were here. Yeah, they were here, but they're gone. We don't know where they went. They hit us in the right rice field. They know. And before they left, the Camarouge put a bullet in each person's head. That didn't give them the information. I didn't even know that. I escaped. The soldiers were coming in to that village. And they said, what happened? I don't know what happened. I was in a rice field. Went back. Two Buddhists were shot to protect me. Our brothers. Children of God. Doesn't matter what their opinions were. They were, they were subject to their circumstance that no one taught them about Jesus. So that is what human life is today in our country. Human life in the today, not only do they not know, love, and serve God, but they talk, they talk privately in whispers to each other. And even when they talk on some of the videos that we see from people that are supposed to be Christian and Catholics. I was listening intently two days ago to one. I won't mention the name or condemn them because they're ignorant and don't know what they're doing. In the whole Catholic presentation, they never mentioned the name Jesus. This was a Catholic program. So that is what is upsetting. That is what is that wounds me. It wounds Jesus. We don't know him. We deny him just as much as Peter says, I don't know him. I never heard of him. He's got nothing to do with me. Three times he said it. The cock crows. And we want this talk today to be the cock's crow. I need it. I want to hear the cock crow. I need it when I'm not proclaiming Jesus. Yes, who does the human culture say that he is? They say he's nobody. Don't mention his name. Don't mention his name on the street. Don't mention his name on the, the, in the schools. Don't mention it to children. Don't let them even know who they are as human beings. Transform them. Turn them into animals. If they put the name of Jesus on their shirt, send for the principals, throw them out of school. Hospitals. They're sending people, lay people who cannot hear confessions to give people last rites when they're dying in hospitals. You have to look at the truth of what it is. Not to condemn the people who are doing it, but to reach out to them and tell them that 
We can't stand eight-minute sermons. Some of them are only three minutes because sometimes the priest is only talking about himself. And whether he he fried something good or he's working out for, for a, a handout or some kind of an organization, and you know, and we're going to have good food. They don't give the food of Jesus to people. The people who are starving, their souls are starving. Jesus came to give us his own body and blood to talk to him. To talk to him. It's called Lexa Divina. So even when I have my books, the books that I write, you know, 30 years of Lexa Divina on the Gospel of John. Am I doing it for money? You say, oh, you're a successful book writer. You're a book writer. Hey, no, you're on the, uh, the uh, New, York, New York Times list. Last year, I made $24. That's my royalty. And I, I'm laughing over it. I'm laughing over it. So I say, you're a book writer. I write them. <laughs> But nobody reads them. <laughs> See? So I'm looking forward to Sebastian. <laughs> Hanging on to Sebastian. Don't give up to Sebastian on me. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> help, I'm drowning. <laughs> you know, he says, if I live, I'm 94 years old. If the Lord keeps me in life, he, does, he keeps throwing those fish back again. I'll be, I want to do the Lexi. A dialogue on the books of John, as I did already on some of the books of John. Why? Not to promote myself, not to make money, not to make fame, not to be recognized, but to make Jesus recognized. That's what we are here for. We're here, Christians, to talk about Jesus, to talk about Christ to talk about what counts. Nothing else counts. I was going to start out by saying the last verse of John's Gospel. Verse, I'll give it to you. If, you know, if I ask you a question, I know the answer. And so I'll give you the answer. It's just a prelude to me showing you that I read it. Verse 25 book of John. And he says there, his last word, if there were many books, here's the book that I wrote, he wrote about it, after all the other apostles were dead, in the first century of Christian life. And he wrote that at, at Patmos, while he was in exile, where they were threatening to kill him. They couldn't kill him, because they put him in a pot of oil, a boiling oil, and, and he, it was like a, a, a warm bath to him. So he got exiled to Patmos. And from Patmos, he did, they couldn't shut him up. That's where he wrote his gospel, at the age of 95. And his last word, he wanted to give a last word there, and he says this. This is a book on Jesus. This is a book what I remember. This is how I knew him when I was 
fortunate to be his disciple physically. I'm still his disciple. And if the whole world could write books, would write books about him, it, it could not contain what it is. And you, as an historian, I can witness to that. Every word that was written about Jesus since, the fathers of the church, every book of theology, every book of connecting a philosophy of life where Jesus, every missionary who ever went out, whoever spoke, whoever wrote anything, not just the ones who wrote volumes about him, the ones who wrote with the pen of their life, the pen of their life, they wrote into the hearts of men. That's in the Bible, by the way. They wrote the hearts of men. And I've known people like that. I've known such missionaries. I know the inspiration. And I can't, I don't really want to call myself a real missionary for the men who gave their lives. For someone like Archbishop Polio, who was tortured for two years and thrown out because the torture wasn't working. He was, his witness was bringing people back to the faith. That I met these people in Australia. They were kicked out of other countries. They were, I met them, the ones kicked out uh, who survived the Holocaust. They were the great men. They were the great men. I'm just another voice calling in the wilderness. Yes. And I look for the opportunity. The Lord keep me alive. Maybe that's why he wants me to stay alive. I'm feeling better than I did a year ago. <laughs> I almost died when I was five years old. <laughs> and all this kind of medical history I've had with hearts and stuff like that. And for some reason, he's keeping me alive. As long as I have breath to breathe. And every saint that when you get their call, they say, I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. They're dying words. I didn't do enough. Padre Pio. I'm sure Mother Teresa will say that. John Bosco, who influenced my pastor, who gave me the first indication of a missionary who came to bring people who didn't go to church. And the bishop didn't even want him in my city. And he didn't know what to do. But some angel, some Irish angel came and gave him $50. He needed to have money to go back to Italy. And the Pope had sent him. He was a disciple of John Bosco. And he says, here's $50. He went and he says, oh, there was a storefront open for rent. His $50 gave him a month in that, that place. And he used that a place where he could sleep and go out in the streets. And where they said, there are no Catholics going to church. They were all atheists. They were communists, the Garibaldi communists. They lost faith. They were anti-clerical. And he talked to them in the streets and witnessed. And he made the parish. 23,000 people. 
Mother Cabrini came from Chicago to help him. And she taught catechism in the rooms above his St. James mission that he called his place. We're all missionaries. We're all. If you read, I will end this. There's so much more to say. I have to prepare for this hour. I have written new notes of uh, 15 more pages, more notes that I could say, but those will come in the future. But the Mother Cabrini who came there and they said, I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. She was thrown down the stairs by a person she tried to get their child to come to catechism. And he threw her down and then sister next to her says, sister, let's go. Let's go. That man is a devil. That man is a devil. And Mother Cabrini says, sister, we didn't come here to convert angels. So if you want a dialogue, a dialogue with anyone, it's not a question and answer session. I don't want monologues. Monologue is your opinion, my opinion. And then they look up and say, oh, but you didn't write that book. You're not rec recognized. You're not the great professor. You know, uh, uh, Chesterton wrote 130 books. And some people, a few people still remember him. Well, he died, when did he die in 1936? We're fading out. We're shadows. But Jesus remains. After you and I are gone. Write your book. Write your autobiography to yourself. Hide it. Give it only to Jesus. Tell him who you really are and what you want to be. And he will restore you. He will forgive. And he will give you the the talents you have, use your talents to proclaim Jesus. He's the only one worth doing. The only one worth doing. It's not worth promoting yourself. It's not worth promoting other people or quoting someone else to make you look big. Let Jesus make you look big. And you look big when he's big. And he is big. Just don't hide him. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Romuald. Uh, responses? Certainly. So we're at the point now where uh, people can post their topics in the chat room. And um, Sheila will... Um, will uh, well, uh, you'll have to unmute yourselves to... Um, uh, to see, but uh, Sheila, is it you or Kiara who's going to select which uh, from among the topics? I will call on people. Kiara is helping me identify um, people to talk with. So first up on our list will be Martha Sahoni, and I'd ask Martha uh, Martha to unmute and go ahead and begin your discussion with Romwald. Sure, thank you, um, Martha. Hello, thank you so much for your presentation. Don't get jealous of your sister, Mary. <laughs> yeah. 
I often think about that. <laughs> no, because you became the same too. <laughs> My question, doctor, is, uh, and I posted this in the chat. Often, grow me, just grow me. me. Okay, thank you. Um, that in in the psychology world right now, Buddhist ideas are very prevalent and um, have sort of invaded much of what clinicians and, and therapists are often taught. Um, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about how to, how to dialogue with Buddhists and those who are even maybe not proclaiming themselves as Buddhists, but really the ways that they think are um, influenced by Buddhism. Okay. Uh, Martha, your question I'm sorry to say, is a monologue. You are not telling me your view okay. of what it is. Sure. You're telling me somebody else is and asking me to talk to a person who's not here. Sure. Okay? Uh, that's the difference between a dialogue and question and answer. Okay. Fact, when we have, uh, let me give you a point, though, to uh, make you more comfortable because I'm not rejecting you. Uh, I'm rejecting the mode. Sure, okay. sure. Okay. Now, when a person is talking in dialogue to Jesus, it's called Lectio Divina. When you pray, you are talking to Jesus about yourself, about what your view is, about your circumstances, and about your problems, and about your needs, your needs, not just your wants, but your needs. I gave a talk about that, needs and wants, and people couldn't understand the difference between the two, but it's essential. These are the things that are universal to the whole human race. So, for instance, I'll give it to you in a way that people seem to reject, because you have to attack the, the mistake. The love is a need. Love is universal. A baby needs, a, needs love. Persons need love. It's connected to acceptance. That's what we need from God. He gave us existence. But we need his love. And he doesn't have any needs. God doesn't have any needs. But he pretends he does because we're anthropomorphic. We have to talk in a way that is human. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need an iota. It's a mystery of why he even created us. He created us for himself, for his own mysterious reason. But he doesn't need us. So anyone who thinks that they're doing God a favor in anything is ridiculous. All right? Now, so what is your view of a person who's a Buddhist? What is your view? How do you absorb it? Not sure. just tell me about Buddhists. I studied all these religions. I know what Buddhism is. And I witnessed a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. But I didn't analyze him and say, oh, tell me about Buddha. Buddha. I'll tell you who he is. I'll tell you who Buddha is. Buddha is a man who was seeking truth. In all of his seeking of truths, where he went from one nation to another, I'm not ridiculing him. I'm just telling you a simple fact, historical fact. 
He has no definition of God. Nirvana is not a definition of God. It's a definition of the ex expression of oneself in some kind of a mysterious way. And we are all imperfect. Now, there's a contradiction in this teaching. We're all imperfect. So since we're all imperfect, we have to become perfected before we go to Nirvana. When does the system stop? When are we perfect? Every, every uh, re, uh, reincarnation that you have in Buddhism is an imperfect person. And he's got to go ahead and ahead and ahead. So it's indefinite when we're going to come to the person that's perfect. And then what is he God? Or is he with God? Is he in God? They can't answer any of these questions. Okay. But I want to know, what do you think? What do you think? Mm -hmm. And how, how do you accept Buddh Buddhistic teaching? I know there's some nice things about it. They're tolerant. They're so tolerant. They allow enemies of God to, 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 to become supreme. So that's one of their defects. They're, they're intolerant. They're okay. The, the, the Buddhists went from, uh, from, uh, uh, from Tibet to India. I met them in India. I met them in India. Why? Because the Indians would fight the Chinese. Huh. They won't fight them, but it's okay if the Indian protects the Indians protect them from the Chinese. You know? But they say, oh no, I and Buddha says, Yeah, you have to be kind to the tiger. He has to be kind to the tiger. He only wants to eat. When he meets you, he only wants he wants his, a little dinner. Give him an arm. But, you know, that tiger's looking for your head. See? It doesn't, it doesn't come up to reality. But what is your, I'll ask you now, what is your view? I, I would agree that I think there's a lot of things that Buddhists teach that make sense from a Christian standpoint and that I can agree with and I can even see through a Christian mindset. Um, the you, idea of loving what is your Christian mindset where you give me the specific sure. one where you believe Christianity agrees with Buddhism sure um, your point not just, the, not just sure. the, the idea of um, uh, respecting and honoring all life that's uh, something that that's I have already, found is, that's already Christian Right, and something that Buddhists, I think, would also agree with. Um, loving kindness is something they often talk about, even though they don't really define love the same way a Christian would. Um, what, is, what is the difference? We would define love as, um, well, Jesus is the definition of love for a what Christian. Is what is it? It is willing the good of the other. And no, it's sacrificing himself his own self that's love of jesus mm -hmm. it's on the cross it's on the cross i have a cross right here a mission cross where's my mission cross my mission cross 
I have it. Oh, here it is. It's on the table. Okay. This is love. Mm -hmm. This is not death. This is love. Yeah. This is love. Is the Buddhist willing to die for another person? I don't think that they don't, would don't Tell me your opinion. Just tell me your opinion. They might. What does they Buddha might. say? What does Buddha say? I don't know Buddhism well enough to know if there's some. All right. Some. Oh, you can't speak for Buddhism mm -hmm. if you don't know what Buddha teaches and what he actually did. He did not die. He did not die. He mm -hmm. promoted his teaching, and it, it it's in so many different countries that do not know Jesus, and when they find Jesus, they become Christians. Mm -hmm. Because it, Christianity is different. It's God. They don't even have, as I told you just before, a definition of God or heaven. They call it nirvana. This Jesus is not anything else. These men died. They put statues to them. The main thing that the human race does is idolatry. Read your Bible. Every page is practically about idolatry. Idolatry is the number one capital sin. It's called pride. It's man putting himself over God. Idolatry. So if I put myself over God and I just don't call myself an instrument of God and God who knows me, knows what kind of instrument am I. There were some saints who were instruments, very effective instruments. I'm not an effective instrument. I'm talking to four or five people. I'm not talking to a thousand. Do you know that John Bosco, in a, a place that, in, in Turin, a place that was did not have witnessing priests, he in his lifetime, gave at least 60,000 priests to the Catholic Church. That is a witness. See? So every person you meet, you witness to because you proclaim Jesus. If you proclaim Buddha, you're proclaiming, actually, look into it, you are proclaiming a statue that can't move. That can't talk. His words talk, but his words are not the words of Jesus. Jesus is the word of action in the Holy Spirit. And he is still talking. He still talks to us. If you say the rosary, for instance, what are you talking about? Are you talking about a devotion to the Virgin Mary? I say, no, you're not. You're talking about the life of Jesus. Without Jesus, there was no rosary. Mary was a tool for Jesus. She was a witness to Jesus. That's why she's so great. She was the number one witness. So, so that is it. So if you compare Christianity to Buddha, then know what Christianity is. Know who Christ is. Christ gives the ultimate 
He gives ultimate teaching. He gives ultimate modeling. And he stays with us. He's here. As we talk, he's here. He's in us. We see him with the eyes of faith. He's here. He's God. He didn't go away. He's not somewhere in heaven. His body went into heaven. The physical appearance. And that one will come back again. But he never left us. He left us body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. We can talk to him. And we would talk to him. And I put in, in as the title of my book. By the way, I'm a, I'm a plagiarist. I stole that title from St. Gerald. Only he didn't put the first, the, the first word there. I said, love letters from your father. St. Gerald, when he was translating the Bible, he said, letters from your Bible. When um, uh, uh, Pope uh, uh, Pius XII said, write all these Bibles, write all these Bibles and all that, whatever we write, we want all the different kind of Bibles. And we got a dozen different kind of Bibles. We got the Jerusalem Bible. We got the, the, uh, the, the, the one that done by the, the Dominicans. We done the ones uh, that was the one done by the Dominican, by the way. And the, the ones done by the Jesuits, done by the Franciscans and all that. All these different Bibles. But what is the Bible? The, the New Testament. It's letters from the Father. Who is the messenger who delivers these messages? Jesus. He's the human element. He took a human existence. So he can speak to us in words because we are not adept to see God in who he is as the I am in the spirit. We see him through the people who image him, like Moses, the prophets, and, and then Jesus. So, so all the theological, mystical, devotional, revelational apparitions, all the apologetics, all the homiletics, Everything is our books on Jesus. And that's it. If we had to talk, if I were to say, come to me, I'm Romal Simeon, I will give you light. I can't even give myself light. And if I give you light, it's going to turn off. Who knows? The next minute, the next year. Jesus is the light of the world. The other men, human men, human men of every type, no matter how good they were, not even the saints, not even the greatest saints, were Jesus. They were images of Jesus. They were reflections of the light. And that's all we can be. And unfortunately, these reflections are going out. Even in the, in the culture today, it is secularist. And Buddha and all of the great men, I'm not saying they were not great. I didn't say they said good things. All they did was give a little light about Jesus. Jesus was kind. Yeah, he's kind. Jesus gave his life. Buddha did not give his life. He, 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 he preached love. He preached love. He preached toleration. He preached this. 
he he preached it to look into yourself and meditate on your belly button and look into yourself and see who you are first. I gave you the thing about who is the real you? Who is the real you to stand up? If you simply repeat what someone else says, some human being says, and you say, well, this is like Christianity. It's nonsense. Nothing is like Jesus. Nothing, no one. He is God. Unless you're God, you're not like Jesus. You can be a reflection of Jesus. You can imitate him. And that's all you can do. And the, even the saints, the different qualities of saints, this saint was greater than that saint. And people always make these distinctions, these useless distinctions. We're talking about Jesus. That's what is worth my time. That's what's worth talking about. Now, we have a I gave you my part of the dialogue. Is that my saying? It's not an opinion. It's not an opinion. It's an historical reality. Jesus is the only one. Like John, of what Paul six said to me. He took my Bible. He says, "Oh, you're reading it right." You're reading Alexa Divina. You give me a message from Jesus. But he says, but only Jesus is Jesus. When I was in, in high school, a Capuchin priest from, uh, from uh, the Calvary province, which is the province in the Wisconsin, came and gave us a retreat when I was in high school. And he said this, he says, you guys are here in this Catholic school and you are interested in learning about God and all that. And I want to say something very clear to you. And he held up the cru uh, a crucifix and he says, these nice people who send you here, your parents who are good Christians and good Catholics, who are proud of you coming to a Catholic school, who are, and your teachers who are all great lovers of Jesus. And I want to tell you one thing. I want you to keep this in mind for your whole life. I don't know how many kept it in mind, but I kept it in my mind. Only Jesus is Jesus. Com to compare him with anyone is blasphemy. Only Jesus is Jesus. If you don't know, love, and serve Jesus, you do not have salvation. You have his redemption, but you don't have salvation. All right? I hope okay. the fire was God. <laughs> was you just getting on fire and not me? <laughs> right. And Thank I love the Buddhists. They died for me. The one, the two of them died for me to protect me from the Khmer Rouge. So I admire that, but they're still not Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Martha. And thank you, Rami. Um, we have some comments from Deacon Bob Reed. And unfortunately, Deacon Bob is not available to 
discuss with you. He can see what's going on, but he doesn't have a microphone. So he asked if um, I could read some of his comments. The first one is, he says, I am intrigued by the discussion of Buddhism's popularity in the modern world, and especially the social sciences. In Fides et Ratio, St. John Paul II wrote of the need for us to be able to witness to folks who practice Eastern religions and philosophies in ways that might help embrace God's truth. I am wondering if the appeal to, of Buddhism in modern culture is due to its focus on self and self-improvement. And as Rami is currently discussing, isn't that re- really just idolatry? Yeah. Uh, I can't. This is another monologue question. Yes. Oh, okay, go ahead. So that that was that was his comment. He was asking, "What you isn't this just idolatry?" I can't. I really can't answer this because it's another monologue. Oh. you're asking my opinion against someone else's opinion. I'm not here to do that. I'm only okay. here to proclaim Jesus, and okay. and, and uh, I'm not going to contradict the Pope, and I'm not going to try to. Uh, or, or come into conflict with that because that's never ending. And it all it is is you encourage more monologues. I am willing to do a dialogue. He can't talk because he doesn't have a mic. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I saw his name there and I was hoping yes. he had a question. Uh, yes, he posted quite a few. View. I want him to give a personal view, not quoting other. No, he didn't give a view. He quoted other people. Okay. So I want to know where he is in regard to Jesus, where he is, how he sees Jesus. Does he see him as the son of God? Does he see him as the answer? And there's only one answer. And the answer is Jesus, not normal. Jesus is the answer. I am not the answer. And in 2000 years, we have, had saints and theologians and all and and popes giving all kinds of views and they gave their own view they said who they were in regard to Jesus and that's what I'm asking if a person, a human being now can give me a view of how he sees Jesus and then make his comparison to whatever else he's talking about that would be a dialogue. Well, I know it's a difficult point. It's a difficult point because people hold back on that. They always like to quote somebody else and say, well, this person says this, and this person has wrote so many books, or this person is so, uh, you know, he started universities and all that. Actually, in America, in America, the biggest universities they are supposed to be Catholic. I attended one of them. Uh, they're supposed to be Catholic. They're not Catholic at all. They allow for all kinds of other theories to come into a place where people should be getting teaching about Jesus. And they don't get that teaching. They get teaching of, of secularism. You know? Georgetown used to be Catholic. Notre Dame used to be Catholic. Okay. 
Now I'll listen for response. Well, Deacon Bob uh, responded um, by a text here. He said, oh, yes, I see Jesus as the son of God, and I try to live my life as a reflection of his. I would like to witness better to the young folks who seem to readily embrace Buddhism. Okay. And it means, uh, Bob, uh, um, Deacon Bob, uh, it means that these people are not fully Christian. Because if you substitute anybody, anybody for Jesus, you're not Christian. You don't believe that he's the son of God. Because the son of God there's no other answers outside of the Son of God. He's everything. He is everything. He is essence. He's not just an existence. You're talking about a man against a man. He, he, he doesn't have a human person. It's called a hypostatic union. He is only one person. There's no two people in the body of Jesus as he appeared in history. He is only one person and two natures. So that's a mystery. We don't know how to unravel this. It's incomprehensible to us as human beings. But we know that he is not just the son of God. He is God. The father is God. Jesus is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. One God. It sounds like a contradiction. When I come across... Uh, 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 my doctors who are uh, Muslims, and they say, oh, you believe in three gods. Oh, no, I don't. I do not believe in three gods. There is only one God. If God is an infinity, there can only be one. There cannot be three. So he was, Jesus was not contradicting the Pharisees when they said, oh, you're calling yourself the son of God. Therefore, we got two gods. You're calling the Holy Spirit God that we have three gods. They get along with each other. No, it's not. It's one God. And we have to assert that. The Trinity is the unity of one in three, not three. It's three, whatever you want to call it. I, I'm afraid to call it because everything we say is an anthropomorphism. We say a manifestation. No. It's not a manifestation. Okay? There's no answer. We have no answer for it. Our finite minds, our finite minds, finite means limited, cannot absorb an infinite. It's a contradiction in terms. So Jesus is an infinite. Therefore, nothing can compare to him. Nothing and no one. And I gave you two examples of a missionary and I gave you the example of a Pope who said it clear, only Jesus. Don't say one, one way to God. It's the only way. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no coming to the Father except by me. Give me these words, what they mean to you. That's what you have to do in a dialogue. What do these words mean to you? Did Jesus prove these words to be true? Is he existent now as we speak? Is he here? Yes. 
God is everywhere. Jesus is everywhere. In his body and blood of the communion, he's not everywhere. He will go to anyone, but he's not everywhere in the physical things. But in his spirit, in his essence, his essence is spirit. He didn't become a human essence. He became a human existence. So that is what we have to clarify. So Deacon Bob is that. Yes, present Jesus in your life. Present him as you see him in your life. If you see him as a son of God, there is no other God. No matter how good they are, how good people are, what saintliness they have, what good qualities they have, what good effort, the people who are becoming Buddhist and putting Buddhists ahead of Jesus is blasphemous. It is blasphemy. It's idolatry. It is not Christianity. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I believe uh, Sebastian has um, a dialogue in mind. Good. Um, Sebastian, do you want to ask? Um, I have one, and I believe I understand the rules now of the dialogue. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm going to state um, what I just typed in text to Sheila, uh, who uh, bets all my stuff for me. Thank you, Sheila. Um, I believe I'm created in the image and likeness of God. And from what I understand from you, that means the entire Trinity. How do I respond to that? I can't answer that. I'm sorry. I can't answer that because that's just a theological question and it's already answered. We, we know that the spirit of God comes into us because he created us. Exactly the nature of that and we simply accept it. We cannot accept, uh, we cannot uh, explain a mystery. It is a mystery. And I certainly can't, cannot presume in any way to explain a mystery. And no one, by the way, no one in 2,000 years has actually explained any human teacher or theologian has explained a mystery. It is incomprehensible to the human mind. And we only know the truth because Jesus said it. God revealed it. That's all we know. It's unfaith. It's not ignorance. It's a fact that we are limited. All we can do in the human mind, if you study the human mind, is that we have reason and we have deduction and induction. We go from deduction of seeing objects and making com comparisons and making uh, judgments, but with induction, we go beyond, we go beyond. We know, so for instance, even the existence of God, we, we say the deduction is that something had, everything has beginning, 
we don't see the end of everything, but we know that everything had to have a beginning. Even scientists are saying the world is so old. It's such, uh, but induction is that from there we go to say, then how did they get here? That's an inductive question. An inductive question is someone, someone must have put it there. Someone pre-exists existence. That's called essence. That's all we can say about it. So, and I'm sure that's what you learn in your geology classes. But the mysteries cannot be answered. And I certainly can't presume it. Well, thank you, uh, Romwald. Uh, that reached the heart of my question right there. Uh, okay. May I say something to you, Sebastian, about dialogue? Certainly. Dialogue is a communication of two minds on some kind of an equal level, an equal level, where one exposes himself to the other, and the other, you try to get clarification and all that. That's what we do in Lecture Divina, is that we don't have all the answers, but we're not just asking Jesus or God to do something for us. I call those Santa Claus questions, Santa Claus prayers. In other words, if God doesn't give us what we want, he always gives us love. And he says that. He doesn't give, give a, a stone to a person who asks for bread. Okay? But the, when we have a dialogue, the dialogue is, could be even never-ending. It's that I expose my understandings to you. You expose your understandings to me. And somewhere along the line, we come to a point of unity. That's what we do in Lectio Divina. We're not telling Jesus who he is, what he is. He tells us. But when we dialogue with Jesus and Lectio Divina, they have all those four things with Atatio. They had to give some kind of uh, uh, scientific explanation of it. But that's all it is. It's a dialogue with God. We talk to God. And he talks to us. He talks to our soul. And it's amazing what he tells us. It's amazing. He converts us. The first thing he tells us, he converts us. He says, I love you. And you're convinced in the Holy Spirit that he loves you. You're not convinced. Then you better dialogue with him. We continue the dialogue until you get to the answer. All right? And that's why I think in a human way, I, a relationship I have, not always, but <laughs> I have with you, with Sebastian, is that when we dialogue, we come to a point of agreement. But we're not looking for agreement. In reality, we look for acceptance. And if you accept someone, you're on the way to some kind of agreement when you clarify things to each other in a dialogue, not by asking questions that are monologues. And an answer to a question is another monologue. It never, it never ends. Okay, thank you, amen. Amen. Well, um, we're near the end of our time, uh, you know, to our session. Uh, we have a uh, closing prayer uh, by Andrea Lynn Cianfloni, um, who is an opera singer. 
And so she is going to sing her prayer. La donna mobile, vento. And um, so um, uh, before she begins, um, I'd like to thank everybody uh, for attending uh, our workshop today, our webinar um, on the Gospel of John, um, Love Letters from Your Father, uh, subtitled, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? And especially Romuald Simeon uh, for his presentation today and his wife, Kiara, uh, for her facilitation of this presentation and Sheila uh, for her moderation of the discussion. So thank you. Um, this will be posted, as I said earlier, on our uh, website. Uh, so uh, with no further ado, uh, Andrea, would you unmute your microphone? Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you. Would you like us to also see you? Uh, um, I think I, I put the, sure. I. I put the, um, or started the video. Can you see me? I can see myself in the frame. <laughs> okay. Um, let me uh, give you a co-host control so that you can share um, uh, anything you want to share with us. And okay. I can't see you yet, but let me, um, let me add a spotlight to you. And there you are. Okay. So let, <laughs> me, let me spotlight you for everyone. All right. Hello. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> thank you, everyone. And thanks, Sebastian, for inviting me today. This has been a really beautiful um, reflection this morning. And I'm just blessed to be able to sing for you now. And if you like, I, I found um, this reflection on why I believe singing is so uh, beautiful to the spiritual life uh, with some references to biblical scripture. I can certainly put that in the chat notes if that's um, of interest to anybody. But as far as the prayer, I was going to sing O Divine Redeemer by Gounod. Uh, does that seem like a good one here? And oh, sure. at the piano, and please excuse any wrong notes from my thumb. I had a production incident that happened recently. So um, I... Uh, my my thumb got a, uh, got in the crossfire here, but it didn't break my vocal cords, so that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so here we go. I'll I'll just put the screen off here, and I'm doing some page turning. So, Oh, 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 
Oh, <laughs> 
Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Andrea. Well, in the name of the Father yes. and of the Son, the Holy Ghost. Um, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. That's uh, today's um, webinar. Uh, we hope to see you back on September 18 uh, when um, uh, David Keyes is going to be uh, making a presentation on his book, Discovering the Fullness of Reality. And uh, Sheila will send out some information about that. All right. God bless. God bless. And have a great weekend. Thank you. The mission of Holy Apostles College and Seminary is to form faithful witnesses of Christ. Year after year, the prestigious Newman Guide has recommended Holy Apostles for our academic excellence and steadfast fidelity to the magisterial teachings of the Catholic Church. We are also fully accredited and the leader in Catholic online learning. Our students enjoy the unsurpassed flexibility to study on their own time and anywhere in the world through asynchronous engagement. Holy Apostles is dedicated to the relentless pursuit of truth, which allows students in all academic programs, including undergraduate, graduate, and personal interest, to formulate a coherent worldview based on both faith and reason. The study of the liberal arts also develops and refines key competencies associated with career readiness, such as critical thinking and problem solving, clear communication, collaboration, and a strong work ethic. The tuition rate at Holy Apostles is one of the most affordable in the country. Yearly tuition for a full-time undergraduate is under $12,000. Students at Holy Apostles can graduate with minimal or even no college debt which enables them to live out their calling as faithful witnesses of Christ without heavy financial burdens holding them back. Please visit www.holyapostles.edu forward slash admissions for more information. The fall 2021 admissions deadline is Friday, July 23rd. Classes start Monday, August 30th. See you soon. Hello, God's Beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood, 
on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.